Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us coast to coast in the U.S. and in more than 150 countries. Hi to everyone listening in Fort Dix, New Jersey, Beverly Hills, California, and Guangzhou, China. Wherever you are, we appreciate you helping to make the world a healthier place. This is episode 96 of season 5, number 395 overall. And today, I will be introducing you to the magic makers behind the scenes here at the Physicians Committee. These are the people who are working tirelessly to reach millions of people every single year to improve their lives and improve their health and end needless suffering for both us humans and our animal friends too. These are truly the movers and shakers in the health movement and your support today, you will learn how your support can go miles to helping them continue on their healthy mission because today is the very first ever exam room telethon. And the cool part about all of this is not only are you going to be meeting some extraordinary people, but the support that you give will be matched dollar for dollar all the way through the end of the year, December 31st, all the way up until midnight, New Year's Eve. Donations will be doubled all the way up to $150,000. So we will be talking all about all of the exciting things we have been up to here at the Physicians Committee. And we're not just going coast to coast today in the U.S. We're going around the world with our message. So grab your passport because we will, in fact, be headed to China and you will be learning about the millions of people now who are learning about the benefits of eating a plant-based diet for the very first time. And you're going to be hearing about that from our friend May June Lai, who will be making her exam room debut. Also on the show today, Dr. Neil Barnard is here along with a host of our nutrition experts. Also, Andrew Benovi who is helping to keep us in touch with lawmakers on Capitol Hill and making sure that the idea of eating a healthy diet is truly a bipartisan effort. But we start today with Noah Gattel. He is one of our directors of philanthropy, and he is ready to tell us right now how your support can go twice as far. Noah, before we get going here, I really want to start with you because you have a very exciting announcement about how everybody can really help us contribute in double the fashion. That's exactly right, Chuck. And as you know, individual giving, giving from individual donors is really the lifeblood of the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. Um, we're not one for big corporate donations. McDonald's and Coca-Cola are not banging down our door offering us contributions. So we rely almost entirely on the generosity of our compassionate members. Uh, so all of our work from educating physicians on the power of a plant-based diet, conducting our own clinical research, working to get healthier food at hospitals, schools, and universities, even our work to end the use of animals in research, education, and testing, none of it would be possible without the generosity of our individual members. And this year, we have a very special opportunity from one of those members to all of you. A very generous member, he's given us the opportunity to take our work even further than it's gone in the past. He is offering to match all gifts up to $150,000 before the end of the year. That means whatever you can give now will be worth double. 
if you can give $25, it's going to become $50. If you can give $250, it'll become $500. Even if you can give $2,500, it'll become $5,000. And I'll be honest with you, we need you to be as generous as possible, to dig as deep as you can, because we're always up against some very powerful forces, despite all of the progress that we have made. And a number of people have already joined in. Uh, you can join Amy Knorr from Pennsylvania, Tony Fleischman from New Jersey, Mary Crow from Massachusetts, Sarah Murray from Washington, D.C., who have already joined uh, this incredible campaign. Elizabeth in Colorado, Donna and Robert in Virginia, Francis in Arizona. Uh, They're all supporting this campaign, and I implore you, if you can, to please join them. You can donate at pcrm.org slash ER exam room. We tried to make it as easy as possible. pcrm.org slash ER at any point uh, throughout this live exam room telethon. And I hope you'll be inspired by all of the good news that you hear today. Um, I'll be in the chat box along with some of my colleagues trying to answer any of your questions you may have about giving. Uh, but please enjoy everything you hear today and thank you in advance for all of your support. Thank you so much, Noah. Stand by. We're going to be coming back to you throughout the show to get an update on the generosity of the exam roomies. Really do implore everybody to support us as much as they possibly can. And if you don't feel comfortable giving your donation online, you can also pick up the phone and call us at 202-527-7304. That's 202-527-7304. Now, the question, Dr. Barnard, is why? Why do we need contributions? Why do we need support now more than ever? And if you go right to our homepage, it's really hard to miss a big picture featuring an animal in a cage and the words Neuralink. And for those, Dr. Barnard, who aren't familiar with uh, it, it, Neuralink is a company that is being run by literally one of the world's richest men, Elon Musk. And we are locked in a heated court battle with him. What's going on right now? Yeah, you know, ever since we got started, we have been dealing with animal experiments and we've been putting them out of business and bringing in alternatives. And we've been helping the government to understand that it needs to insist that researchers use non-animal methods. We were able to eliminate the use of animals in medical school education and so forth. But there was has been sort of an what I might call an anonymity to animal research. Your average person wasn't thinking about how animals might be used at this university or that laboratory or this toxicology lab or this cosmetics manufacturer. But when Elon Musk uh, was exposed as having funded these Neuralink experiments, that caught everybody's attention because they thought, I know him. And people have already been concerned about what seems like a, a bit of a lack of compassion, both for people and for animals. At least that's been kind of what the press has been chewing about. What Neuralink is, it's a company that Elon Musk founded. And his dream was, what if I could take somehow a, a brain implant and put it into your brain, and then your thoughts could control the computer? You wouldn't even have to pick up a mouse. You could, you could control it with your mind. So he took monkeys and opened up their skulls and started putting in electrodes into the animals' brains and was trying to suggest, isn't this great? The monkeys are going to be able to to uh, do kind of their version of video games, except at the physician's committee, we got the copies of the veterinary records that told a very different story. Animals suffering, animals dying, 
animals being used in ways that weren't approved and ways that, that ended up harming them, them terribly. And it wasn't just a few dozen animals, it was well over a thousand animals that have been used and still are. So we are in court uh, against Neuralink, uh, the University of California Davis, which was housing his experiments. And what we want to do, number one, is get out the all the videos that they took of what the animals actually went through so that you and everybody else can see it. That's the last thing that Musk wants. And so they have entered this lawsuit saying, no, keep it secret. We don't want anybody to see what we're doing. We want to expose it to the light of day. And then number two, we want to stop it. This has got to stop. Number three, once people realize what these animals go through, they have to realize what happens to animals at laboratories that are runded by people who aren't so famous, who aren't so rich, um, so that they can see what's really going on there too. I'm confident, Chuck, that we're going to win this battle, but it is going to be having our sleeves rolled up and doing quite a lot of fighting in court, in the press, um, uh, until that victory does come. Absolutely. And as you know, anytime you go to court, that is not an inexpensive process. And that's why we absolutely need all of the support that we could possibly get. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this in just a little while here on the show. But I also wanted to talk to you uh, here with just a couple of minutes. Um, the fact that what we do also is very much nutrition focused. You know, it's it's plant-based for the planet, for the animals, and of course, our own health. And we have had a really banner year in terms of the success and moving the needle toward a healthier future for us all in 2022. When you think back of everything that we've accomplished in the last 12 months, what are some of the things that really get you jazzed up? Well, we've done so many different things. Um, first of all, to reach doctors. I guess everybody knows this. There was a time when doctors weren't really great advocates for healthy diets at all, particularly not vegan diets. That is changing. Um, our uh, International Conference on Nutrition in Medicine was back this year uh, in person. We had so many doctors there all totally pumped up bringing this message back home. Our Nutrition Guide for Clinicians is something available to every single medical student. Um, they use this to learn about how a diet could change could change things. Our continuing medical education offerings are more popular than ever. We had a couple of huge breakthroughs in our clinical research area. This is Dr. Hanna Kaliova and her team. Uh, we started the beginning of the year with a new study showing instead of using hormone replacement therapy, which has risks in dealing with menopausal symptoms, diet changes could be just as effective. Uh, we published two papers on that. And just as the year calendar year is ticking to a close, we are doing the data analysis on a brand new study on type 1 diabetes. The, the point of this, Chuck, is that we're finding new and better applications for plant-based diets for people who may want to put them to work for their own health. And of course, the animals get the benefit too when you're not eating animals uh, because you want your diabetes to get better or to lose weight or get your cholesterol down. The animals don't care why they're not in your plate anymore. A couple of things just uh, really quickly though. We've had some huge initiatives cleaning up hospital food. And yes, there are now hospitals throwing out the bacon, making sure that vegan meals are available. Our universal meals program, which is going to come up a little bit uh, more later in the program, I'm hoping, um, is bringing plant-based meals to colleges and universities all, all around the country. And finally, maybe I should mention our One Healthy World program, which you, Chuck, have done a brilliant job in bringing this message to England, Scotland, 
Ireland, South Africa, uh, Australia, New Zealand, so many areas where this was kind of a new message um, and still is, but we're reaching people in English and French and Spanish and Mandarin and a special program for the Indian subcontinent. So lots coming. Absolutely. Stay tuned. Uh, One Healthy World coming 2023 is going to be a really incredible experience. You're going to be hearing more about that in the very near future. And Dr. Barnard, to the successes you were talking about on the nutrition front, I want to share right now a comment that we already have uh, from an exam roomie by the name of Annette, who is joining us live for the very first time. And Annette says that I went vegan a few months ago because of high cholesterol. And in just one month, my cholesterol went from 608 down to 417. That's in just one month. That is incredible success. And she says, thank you guys for being such an inspiration. You hear something like that. We've seen the studies, but it never gets old hearing about it firsthand from somebody's somebody who was going through that transition and experiencing the success. You've been at this a long time. These stories still have to be as powerful as ever to you. They are powerful and, and they're inspiring to other people. But I got to say, you know what? You know what I like the best is when somebody's got the, the improvements, they should go to back to their doctor. And in addition to getting whatever care their doctor wants to give, let the doctor know how the diet then worked for you. Because I know you hear this all day long, that, that the doctors are inspired, not just by us hearing about it or describing it theoretically or in our research studies, but by when people actually put it to work and they get their cholesterols improving, they get their blood sugars improving, maybe they get rid of diabetes altogether. And that's been, uh, as time has gone on, it's been a huge force for really changing how medicine is practiced. All right, Dr. Barnard, stick around. We'll be chatting with you again in just a little while. Thanks for being here, my friend. Greatly appreciate it. You betcha. I'll see you in a bit. If you have not yet had the opportunity to donate and help us make 2023 the healthiest year ever here at the Physicians Committee, really make the world a healthier place, this is your opportunity to do it. Visit pcrm.org slash ER. You see that URL right now on your screen, pcrm.org slash ER. And the first $150,000 that is raised will be matched. That means that your dollars go twice as far. $5 automatically becomes 10, 10 becomes 20, 50 becomes 100, 250 becomes 500. And if you give a thousand, that becomes 2000. Please give what you can. We need all the support that we possibly can get. And again, to talk about why we need that support, I want to introduce you to our associate general counsel, somebody who is intimately involved in our legal battles right now with Elon Musk and Neuralink. Deborah Press now here on the exam room live. Deborah, thank you so very much for being here. Thanks, Jeff. You heard Dr. Barnard and I just talking about what's happening with these experiments and the monkeys in the labs. Where do things stand right now with our lawsuit? Um, well, right now, we so you heard Neil talk about the basis of the lawsuit. He talked about uh, these photos that we're trying to uncover. And so UC Davis is the public institution. Neuralink partnered with UC Davis to perform its primate experiments. What they probably didn't consider when they partnered with UC Davis is that when you partner with a public institution, all the records of your work become public records. So probably something Elon Musk didn't fully think through uh, when he made that arrangement. So we sought those records. We got about 600 from UC Davis um, a while ago. And after going through those, we were still not satisfied that we received everything. 
and there were still photos and videos that UC Davis was withholding. So uh, that's 371 photographs are currently in dispute. Um, they include monkey autopsy photos that UC Davis didn't want us to have. So some of the visuals they claim were removed from their facilities by Neuralink when Neuralink packed up and moved to their own private facilities um, in Texas and elsewhere in California. And UC Davis is claiming that those images are the property of Neuralink, that they're no longer public records. Um, and other images UC Davis claims should be withheld because the public would misunderstand them. And you don't have to read between the lines too much to see that what they're actually saying is that the public would find the images very upsetting and the experiments abhorrent. So that's the basis of our lawsuit right now. We're fighting to get those images so the world sees the ugly truth behind the development of the brain um, computer interface technology that Neuralink is developing. And just uh, two weeks ago now, Neuralink intervened in the case. And so now they're a party to the suit. And what what is our hope here? What is the goal with this lawsuit? Is it to shut them down? Is it just to raise awareness? What is our ultimate goal here? I the, the, the that's a great question. You know, I think the we want to expose these experiments. That's why we are fighting to get these images, these records. And so far, that's been one of the biggest areas of success in this campaign. We might not have all of those photos and videos so far, but we've raised a lot of awareness. There's so much interest in this technology in particular that it's sort of serving as a, a stand-in to raise awareness for all, so much other animal experimentation that doesn't have um, you know, this celebrity at the helm, this Elon Musk. Um, there are all kinds of animals that are involved in much less um, dramatic uh, experimentation in terms of the technology being developed. And it's there have been so many articles in the mainstream media about this that have started asking great questions about whether it's okay to use animals as a means to an end in, in research. And so that's been one amazing conversation that's come of us exposing these experiments and the callous and irresponsible way that they've been performed. Um, yes, ultimately, we would love to shut these um, experiments down. Um, we will, you know, we're up against the richest man in the world. Um, but we, you know, I think we're gonna, we're going to, uh, we're not gonna look the other way just because someone is wealthy. And um, I think Musk's notoriety is actually working in our favor and garnering, garnering us a lot of attention. Yeah. Do you feel kind of like this is a David versus Goliath story here? Obviously in that one, David triumphs. Like, are, are we just kind of waiting to be the, the underdog that comes out on top? I think so. I mean, I think, I mean, like I said, Musk is a, a sort of an, an infamous figure at, at, you know, the media loves to hate him. Um, and, but at the same time, yeah, we really came out of, we, we really came out of nowhere to expose this. And I think, you know, that Neuralink was not expecting anybody to call it out on, on its cruelty. I don't think, I think they were expecting as a giant private company to sail through these experiments and garner as much public attention as Elon Musk likes to do on online and, not be the, the subject of any criticism for 
the way that they're developing this technology. And I think we've, yeah, I think that I, I think it is a David and Goliath story. I think that that we've been able to bring a lot of attention to this, um, just using the tools that we have uh, at PCRM. And you talk about all of the attention. It's hard to miss a lot of the headlines. They really have been splashed everywhere. And in some of the articles that I was reading, there have been people who had been working at Neuralink, insiders who were kind of whistleblowing, talking about the dangerous accelerated pace at which they were being forced to conduct a lot of these experiments, which really then goes to put the monkeys and animals in any regard for any type of experiment. But in this particular case, the monkeys goes to put them at even greater risk, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, you'll hear from Ryan Merkley later, who's just the been doing amazing campaigning and work with the media um, to promote this uh, campaign and, and expose these experiments. But um, it, Ryan filed a 716-page complaint in February with the office at USDA that enforces the Animal Welfare Act. And just uh, last week, he filed a complaint with FDA, which is responsible for granting market approval of medical devices, alleging that Neuralink hadn't complied with good laboratory practices because of that rush paste that you mentioned and um, with, uh, you know, um, <clears throat> some interfering with data. And the FDA complaint was the subject of a terrific piece in the Washington Post just last week with this, this I'm going to read you the headline right now, monkey deaths at Musk brain implant firms stir calls for FDA bans. Botched surgeries of monkeys, pigs, and sheep render data from medical device tests unreliable. The Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine wrote to federal regulators. So, um, yeah, the it, it's not just it's not just the experiments; it's the way that they've handled data, and it's a whole slew of, um, you know, arguably very unethical practices that have been um, wrapped up in this work. All right. Deborah, thank you so very much for your time. Uh, best of luck for your continued battle with uh, Elon Musk and Neuralink. Off to a really great start, but we need everybody's support to keep going. Deborah, let's keep keep in touch. Okay. Sounds great. Thanks, Chuck. All right. And if you would like to help join us in this fight, again, the URL to contribute to the campaign right now, pcrm.org slash ER, pcrm.org slash ER. And not only will your dollars go to help us in our battle against Elon Musk, they will literally span the gamut here of all of our extraordinary efforts here at the Physicians Committee, including with our education program. And that's why I want to talk to next uh, dietitian, registered dietitian, Anna Herbie, who is our nutrition education program manager. Uh, Anna, thank you so very much for being here. It's great to see you. Hi, Chuck. Thank you so much for having me. Great to be You here. are very, very busy beavers in the nutrition department. You guys have your hands in a little bit of everything. How busy have you been this year? Oh, we've been quite busy. We've got a lot going on in a lot of different areas. And I actually have a PowerPoint to kind of illustrate what we've been up to. I would love to see it. Like, show us. Absolutely. I mean, we're we're on camera. It's a visual thing. I would love to see it. Yeah. Um, I've had, had the opportunity to speak with a lot of uh, your colleagues uh, this year who have been on the show talking about all of these extraordinary successes. And so I think it's it'd be great to kind of revisit them. If you could go ahead and pull those slides up for us, that would be Fantastic. In the meantime, while you're doing that, let me go ahead and ask you, is there any one program or any one success in particular that really stands out to you this year? 
You know, I've been thinking about my favorite thing that happened this year. I think I had the most fun and I think the most successful thing um, that I've been involved with was our Fight Diabetes with Food program. Um, we reached over 17,000 participants of just patients, people who are looking to improve their blood sugars for whatever other health reasons. Um, it's been really impactful and really fun to see those results and those comments, all the positive feedback of the health improvements that people are achieving. 17,000. That is extraordinary. So I'm going to step aside. I see the pretty pictures up on the screen, which means it's time for you to do your thing. All right, cool. All right. So um, I'm going to start with policy work because, um, of course, we are always very busy with policy related things. And Andrew is going to talk more about that. But we do keep an eye on the food related policy changes. And um, we've been making public comments, drafting letters. We made a public comment about the proposed FDA rule, which would allow changes to what foods can be labeled as healthy. Um, and by doing that, we're really working on combating the industry influence in food policy. We've called out government recommendations when economics and money are prioritized over health. And we've had our eyes on the next iteration of the dietary guidelines. These are due out in 2025. We drafted a response to the proposed scientific questions that the Dietary Guidelines Committee would consider. So PCRM, we're really at the intersection of government and food, and we've been working hard to make sure that plant-based nutrition is front and center there. And then our, our annual conference, which is ICNM, uh, we returned in person this year and it was a hit. We had so much fun. We were so happy to get together and learn from the greatest in nutrition and medicine, like Dr. Gemma Newman, Dr. Robin Chutkan, Dr. Williams, Dr. Ellen Desmond, and of course, Dr. Neil Barnard. We covered so many important health topics and enjoyed some amazing food there. It was a really great conference this year. We've also been attending other conferences and making connections in the healthcare world. We're building allies, trying to turn the tides of healthcare. We connected with dietitians at the Food and Nutrition Conference Expo in Orlando. We gathered healthcare contacts at the ACLM conference. We met with patient experience executives at the Plain Tree International Conference on patient care. And then dietitian Jennifer Paul presented on plant-based nutrition to the Tuskegee Dietetics Association. And then at each event, we're there, we're handing out literature, we're offering presentations, we're working on things like improving patient menus at hospitals or educating physicians, nurses, dietitians, all on the importance of plant-based nutrition. And then um, I already spoiled uh, the excitement on this one, but we are generally educating the general public. Um, this is our Fight Diabetes with Food webinar series. And as I mentioned, we reached over 17,000 people and we just finished our sixth series. So after we wrap up a series, we just start right over again. So anyone can join at any time and you'll get a Zoom link. We meet on Tuesdays at three o'clock Eastern. So each week we've got doctors, dietitians, um, other patients who have experienced health benefits, talking about the ins and outs of diabetes and how powerful diet changes can be. And as I mentioned, our part participants have shared some really amazing health improvements since attending. They're not only controlling blood sugar, but they're losing weight. They have better energy. They sleep better. It's just so fun to hear all these positive things that are happening. It's also a great place for support. If you're just looking to keep on track with a healthy diet and talk to other people who are doing the same. 
And of course, we can't forget about our universal meals program. Our chef, Dustin Harder, has been hard at work in the kitchen and on the road, developing over 125 new recipes. And he's introduced these recipes in 12 different institutions now. His fall tour just wrapped up and we're looking forward to expanding this reach in the new year. And we've got big plans for 2023. Here's what we're gonna get up to. Um, we're gonna expand our reach as healthcare professionals, teaching plant-based nutrition to those who are in the best position to talk to patients about it. So we're excited for next year's International Conference on Nutrition and Medicine. And we also wanna make sure that practitioners know all about the tools we offer, like the Nutrition Guide for Clinicians, nutritioncma.org, which is where we offer low cost and free continuing education and our kickstart meal planning app with tons of recipes. Our goal is to expand the reach of these resources so that more health professionals can use them. And we will continue to lay the groundwork for the 2025 dietary guidelines. We're gonna build a coalition of support with other organizations. And we just wanna make sure that the evidence-based recommendations are at the forefront of these guidelines. So as always, I just wanna say we couldn't do any of these things without our members, without donations. Um, you all are there to rally in front of hospitals and universities when we call on you, give presentations around the world, signing petitions, letters of support, um, and funding all these important projects. We're gonna to continue to increase and expand the scope of our work. And none of this would be possible without these generous donations. So. Thank you so, so much. And thank you, Anna. This is really absolutely fantastic. It helps to bring everything and, and put it into perspective. And I see all of the different things that we're working on. And it, it brings me back to one of my favorite topics on the show. And as somebody who works as a registered dietitian, you know this very well. We are in an epidemic of chronic disease. And while the majority of us just accept it as fate. What the facts bore out and what we are working tirelessly to show is that it does not have to be fate, right? We have the opportunity here to prevent and even reverse so many millions of these cases, right? Absolutely. Yeah. People might think that you have a disease, say it's diabetes, there's not much you can do about it. Maybe that's what your doctor tells you which is really too bad because the truth is there's so much that you can do and so much of it is on your plate it has to do with what you're eating. It can make such a difference in your health conditions. Yeah. And, and I want to do a follow-up here from Annette a little bit earlier. Annette was talking about uh, how their cholesterol had already dropped by nearly 200 points. She posted an update. She said, my doctor was shocked and told me I didn't have to take Lipitor as long as I continue to eat this way. I never took the Lipitor, even though they were panicked about my cholesterol. Well, I mean, I can't speak to that, but I'm certainly glad that you don't need it any longer about that. How much power really comes when I hear something like that? It really does make me want to ask this question time and time and time again. It's like how much power really is on our plates every time we sit down to eat? It's, it's quite powerful and it can go either way. If you're eating the wrong things, it can really set you in the wrong direction, maybe to have high cholesterol, but even just making those incremental changes can make such a big difference. Of course, the more you do, the more results you're going to see. Um, so we encourage people, if you can, just go all in 100% plant-based, and that's how you're going to see 
the most amazing results. We have a lot of success stories and you've had them here on the podcast as well, but just they sound too good to be true. Um, but people are really experiencing these benefits through following a plant-based diet. No question about it. Another person, Rochelle, right now in the chat, I told my doctor uh, after my cholesterol went from 220 to 155 that I went plant-based. Didn't say what the doctor had to say about that after the fact, but that again is another significant drop. Um, I want to tell you a story, Anna, while I have you here. It's one of uh, the ones that I... I, I bring out from time to time on the show. And it was somebody who had also uh, really struggled with high cholesterol until they began to eat a plant-based diet. And what this person said was that their cholesterol improved so much that their doctor said, well, look, you know, you actually need to start eating meat again. And the person looked at them like, why doc, why do I need to do that? And so the doctor said to the patient, so that you can continue to take this medication. And so to me, that's kind of a little bit backwards thinking. And it goes to show that we still have a lot of work to do, not just in helping the patients, but also to educate doctors and dietitians as well, that the solution doesn't always have to come in the form of a pill. The solution can come from what's on your plate. So when you hear something like that, what is your initial reaction? I've honestly never heard anything like that from a doctor. That's really crazy. Um, but what comes to mind is our um, our yearly conference, the International Conference on Nutrition and Medicine. We had a presentation by Dr. Jim Loomis, who talked all about deprescribing, so how to reduce these medications in patients when they are changing their diet and their, their diet is basically their medicine. Um, doctors need to know not only how a plant-based diet, how all the fiber can help to lower cholesterol, but also how to manage medications, how to reduce those levels so that um, they don't become too powerful. And that's a, a big issue that happens when people change their diets dramatically is those meds are too powerful. No question about it. And if you're watching this right now, why don't you go ahead and post about some of the conversations you've had with your own doctor uh, as you've changed your diet and seen your health begin to evolve? What were those conversations like? I think that for a lot of people who are just getting going, they don't even know how to have these conversations with their doctor. And if their doctor themselves is not familiar, it, it really does help to come in there with a little bit of guidance that you can give to the doc. So uh, go ahead and post about your own experiences. Let's share that and get a kind of sense of community going there. Um, Anna, really quickly before I let you go, I also want to uh, go back and talk a little bit about our Let's Beat Breast Cancer campaign. Dr. Christy Funk has been an extraordinary leader with us on that every single year. This year, no exception. And every year, specific to breast cancer, she blows my mind with some incredible research and some statistics. And it goes back again to what it was we were just talking about in terms of fate and destiny and how we really kind of need to rethink that. There's so much of an emphasis put on breast cancer in terms of that genetic component, but just like the other diseases we were talking about, cholesterol, diabetes, things like that, we really also have a lot of power to determine how great of a risk we are actually at in terms of breast cancer. And I think that getting that message out there goes to really the heart of the effectiveness of our Let's Beat Breast Cancer campaign. Yeah, there really is a lot you can do to reduce that risk. And the Let's Beat Breast Cancer campaign is doing a great job of getting the word out there, having people sign up for um, the whole month of October to do that challenge, the four-pronged approach. We want to eat plant-based. 
um, limit alcohol, get active, all of those things can make such a huge difference. And I think that campaign is just really exciting and having Dr. Christy Funk sharing the word um, the way that she does with all of her mind blowing statistics and her enthusiasm, uh, I think it's just really great. And we're reaching a lot of people through that campaign. Yeah. And were, were you at the White House when we had all of those drummers out there? We were literally like taking Let's Beat Breast Cancer and doing it so literally banging the drums, beating the drums in front of the White House to raise right. awareness. That was that was a wild day. That was it looked so fun. I really wish I could have been there, but I did not make it. But I was definitely there in spirit and I watched the videos. It was just so fun to see the marching bands kind of playing off each other and everyone dressed in pink supporting breast cancer awareness out in front of the White House. And those drummers were good too, man. You we were, were feeling the beat that day. You were feeling the beat that day. Oh, Anna, thank you so much for your time. Congratulations on all of the success that you all have had in the nutrition department for 2022. I can't wait to see what a healthy new year you guys can help bring to us all. Thank you, Chuck. Thank you so much for having me. And of course, Anna and the nutrition department, they continue to need your support as well. So let's do everything we can to help build some more incredible success stories, just like Annette's, who has already seen that incredible drop with their cholesterol. Same thing for Rochelle and everybody who's been on the room over on the exam room over the past year, sharing their incredible stories of weight loss, reversing heart disease and cancer and diabetes, just so many incredible success stories. We need your help to continue to make their world a healthier place. And the easiest way you can do that right now is by visiting pcrm.org slash ER. That's pcrm.org slash ER. And please give what you can. Every dollar will be matched up to the first $150,000. I want to say a big thank you to Larry, who's watching in Oregon right now, has donated $1,000. Larry, thank you so much. Your $1,000, now $2,000. Thank you, my friend. Sally in North Carolina, generous, gave $100. That $100, now $200. And in Texas has also generously given, as has Lorraine in Nevada. Thank you both so very much for your support. And now we need yours as well. Please give what you can. PCRM.org slash ER. Next up here on the show is a friend of mine. I absolutely love this guy. His passion, his enthusiasm is absolutely contagious. I can think of no more positive individual at the Physicians Committee than Dr. Zishan Ali. Zishan, my friend, it is so good to see you, my friend. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Chuck. Thank you. What a warm welcome you have given me. That's such oh. a pleasure to be here in the show. Oh, look, look at the smile, man. How can I not say you're positive? Look at that smile. That is a million dollar smile, my friend. <laughs> Thank you, Jack. Thank you so much. You have had a very, very, very busy year. Uh, Anna and I were just talking about the need to educate uh, others, physicians, really kind of coach up the doctors. Um, talk to us about some of the work that you've been up to this year to really help get our message out there that there is a healthier way. And that way begins on the plate. Oh, yeah, Chuck. Uh, our goal, uh, you know, one of our goals in the nutrition department is to educate medical students, is to prepare the next generation of physicians, is to change the future of patient care. And the best place to start the, this is through educating medical students. So we have been heavily involved in 
educating medical students, going to medical schools and arranging these lunch and learn events where we can empower them to treat these all these epidemic diseases that you have, you have been talking about. They are reaching to an epidemic proportion, chronic diseases like diabetes and heart disease and hypertension. These are all lifestyle diseases and we can address them with proper nutrition. And we know that there are so many surveys and there are so many studies out there. We know that students are spending fewer than 20 hours on nutrition. So their training is not enough. And we at the Physicians Com Committee are making that effort so that if students are not being trained enough, we can provide all the latest research on plant-based nutrition for chronic disease prevention to them by going to their schools, organizing these lunch and learn events, sending uh, uh, PCRM experts and physician members, and also catering plant-based food for them so that they can also taste it, enjoy it, and then we expect them that they would also be recommending it to their patients. So we provide them also resources for um, that they can read about the latest research on plant-based nutrition. And I have a whole PowerPoint with me, Chuck. Uh, let me know when you- Oh yeah, by all means, fire it up. My friend, the stage is yours. The stage oh, is absolutely yours. Thank you, you know, so I love these. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'll tell you, while you're firing that up, I think that really reaching this next generation of doctors, reaching the medical school students is absolutely critical. And it makes me think of a conversation I had with my own doctor at one point after I had lost a significant amount of weight. And this doctor said, well, you know, Chuck, I think that you really are at the healthy weight, the weight where you should be, your goal weight, if that's what you want to call it. And he said to me, you need to eat a hamburger. He basically prescribed a hamburger for me. Oh and that was even before I was plant-based, Sean. But I just, I knew in my heart of heart and in my gut that that was really the wrong path to take. I never ate that hamburger, but it does make me think... How many other patients has he prescribed this hamburger to who did, in fact, go ahead and eat that? And then did it really open up Pandora's box for unhealthy eating for them once again? I always wonder about that, but it really goes to underscore what you were talking about is educating that next generation of doctors. So those types of conversations that I had with my doctor never happen again. That's so true, Chuck, that, that, that we want that conversation to happen between the doctor and the patient. And that can only happen if our doctors are trained and, uh, and to talk about nutrition. And that's what we are doing. And as I told you, that one of our goals is to improve nutrition education in medical schools and prepare the next generation of physicians. And thanks to our members and donors, we have been able to go to medical schools and educate students about the role of nutrition in chronic disease prevention through our lunch and learn events. So our lunch and learn events is that we go to these schools, we are, uh, arrange everything, we give an uh, evidence-based presentation, and then we uh, cater plant-based food for the students. So they can, uh, they can eat and then they can also learn. And in uh, 2022, Chuck, as you said, that this was a very busy year for us, we organized so many lunch and learns and we partnered with 26 medical schools in the US and reached 1,750 medical students just with our lunch and learn events. And our partnership 
with uh, medical schools is growing. And here are some schools that we partnered in 2022. And we educated students at um, Mayo Clinic, Alex School of Medicine in Rochester, Rush uh, College of Medicine in Chicago, State University of New York, Stony Brook University, and then Lewis Card School of Medicine, Temple University in Philly. And we also gave lunch and lunch presentations at the University of the Incarnate World School of Osteopathic Medicine, SUNY Downstate, Zucker School of Medicine at Hofstra Northwell, Eastern Virginia Medical School, Robert Wood Johnson Medical School, and many more. And there are many more partners. I just gave you a glimpse of what we, are, we have been working this year. And our Lunch and Learn events are very well attended. Most of, most of the time, they are packed. And here is a picture of Dr. Bernard giving a lecture to medical students in Eastern Virginia Medical School. In this year alone, we partnered with 13 PCRM physician members who are experts in the field, who can talk about plant-based nutrition, who can share their expertise and their experience and what they have learned over the years in their practice. We delivered evidence-based presentations on preventive medicine. And here is a picture of Dr. Neil Cooper at Emory University in Atlanta just a few, few months back. Uh, and we didn't stop here. We expanded our outreach in India, uh, Brazil, and Mexico. And I'm privileged to lead that effort. And with your help, members and donors, with your help, we reached three medical schools in India, one in Brazil, and one in Mexico, along with all these 26 medical schools in the U.S. And we successfully organized both in-person and virtual lectures. And here you can see in this slide is a picture of me giving a virtual talk at D.Y. Pardal Medical School in Mumbai. And along with the lectures, we provide reading materials and cater plant-based food. And this is a picture again from Eastern Virginia Medical School where a student is uh, providing food to the attendees. And we also provide students one year free membership to PCRM so that they're learning continues and they can hear all about the breaking medical news from PCRM and any latest research our clinical team, clinical research team is doing, uh, they should be hearing from us through this membership. We attended two medical student conferences. This number one is American Medical Student Association meeting and Student National Medical Association meeting. You can see both on the slide here where we reached hundreds of students with our life-saving work. At American Medical Student Association meeting, we sponsored plant-based lunch for all the 800 attendees who came, uh, uh, who attended the conference so that they can also see, because these are all healthcare professionals. And we want to encourage students to learn about the role of nutrition in disease prevention and provide them opportunities to attend conferences where they can learn more. But as you all know, you know, attending a conference can be expensive. So we gave four future leader scholarships to medical students and invited them to attend our international conference for nutrition and medicine. And here in this picture, you can see students holding their certificates with Dr. Bernard at our annual conference. Our goal 
for 2023 is to continue our work is to expand our message and reach 40 new medical schools in the us and 20 new medical schools internationally with our educational events and we can only achieve our goals with your help and donations so your donations to our programs are really key to our success because through donations we can arrange honorariums for physician experts we can make travel arrangements so our experts can fly to medical schools across the us and india this also helps us provide plant-based food to the attendees and because of the help from members we can attend these annual conferences where we can share our work with the next generation of physicians so please contribute today to help excel our work thank you so much Thank you so much, Zishan. You know, you got a lot of people fired up there, Ashley, in the chat as you were talking about all of these packed lectures. She writes, uh, she she writes, uh, it's so inspiring to see how the medical students love hearing about using plant-based nutrition to treat patients. The Physicians Committee's med school lectures are packed with the smiley face emoji there. That is phenomenal. That is Congratulations so on all of the success this year, my friend. And I can't wait to see what 2023 holds. That's true. Thank you, Chuck. Thank you again. This thanks to our members who have been supporting us. Absolutely. And if you would like to join the members who are supporting the great work that Zishan and his team are doing, uh, please right now give what you can at pcrm.org slash ER. That's pcrm.org slash ER. And now through the end of the year, your donations will be doubled right up to the $150,000 mark. So again, if you can give $10 today, that becomes $20 automatically. If you give 20, that becomes 40, 100 becomes 200, and so on and so on, all the way through midnight on December 31st, right before we ring in the new year, pcrm.org slash ER is the website to visit to give what you can to join us to help make the world a healthier place. You know, somebody who plays an intricate part on our team here, reaching a Spanish language audience, she's actually new to the Physicians Committee, is a new friend of mine, but an absolutely fantastic and enthusiastic individual. She is our nutrition program coordinator, Andrina Troncoso. I'm sorry, <laughs> Andrina. Thank you so very much for being here. I'm thrilled that you can actually make your debut on the show and you've been doing so much work behind the scenes oh thank you chuck i'm really really happy to be here and share with everybody what we've been doing as a team absolutely and uh before we get going here congratulations uh argentina on the world cup victory <laughs> i know you're very excited about this yes yes of course Ab <laughs> you're lucky I'm, my voice is back because i had lost it um, oh you Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're absolutely good. We're gone. Good. <laughs> but I'm glad that it's back because we have a lot of work that that we need to do here before the end of the year and all the way through 2023. Um, we are really trying so very hard to reach uh, the Spanish speaking audience. And I know one of the things that shocked me that I didn't really realize until I started working at the Physicians Committee is when it comes to racial disparities in health, just at how much of a disadvantage so many people who come from Spanish-speaking communities are facing here in the States and abroad. Talk to us about some of the work that you've been doing to really help combat that and bring a healthier message to those communities. Sure. Well, Chuck, first of all, you know, very, very excited to be here because I know that the Spanish community needs, you know, this message. 
um, you know, and I see this with my own family and friends and, you know, circle. So, you know, the fact that we're able to take all the messages and all the programs that we're doing in English and be able to transfer that to Spanish and be able to reach so many people in the Spanish community is just very exciting. And so I am very thrilled to be able to tell you a little bit more about what those programs programs are and how everybody can get involved. And I bet you anybody on this call, at least, you know, they know at least one person who speaks Spanish or is, you know, from a, from a Spanish speaking uh, country or community. So, um, you know, if we spread the word and say, hey, PCRM is doing great work with um, Spanish resources, you know, I think that we would do great, um, you know, spreading the word and making sure that everybody knows that this is something that we're doing and that we will continue to do uh, moving forward. So we're very excited about that. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we hear about that work. And then I think about uh, Mark Ramirez, who um, we've had here on the show a lot. And I know he's intricately involved as, involved as well. And Mark is a guy whom, if you're not familiar with, you, I always like to say the proof is in the pudding. Well, <laughs> this is a guy whose family has been, and, and I mean, you can back me up. I think that the, the best way to describe it is his family has been decimated by chronic diseases. You're talking about loss of life and literally loss of limb as well, loss mm -hmm. of vision. So many people just are, are crippled by diabetes, including Mark's own twin brother. Yeah. But it's Mark- It's an incredible story for sure. Absolutely. Right. But then here's Mark who switches over to a plant-based diet and is able to reverse his own diabetes and be that inspiration for his family and so many millions of others. When you hear a story like that, that somebody's able to do that, how far do you think that message carries with somebody who thinks that their health fate is sealed and they are doomed no matter what? Oh, Chuck, I mean, that's such a great question because, again, like we, we keep hearing over and over again from so many people is that they think that that's their fate, right? That it's in their family and therefore they're going to have it. But like Mark has taught us and, you know, and you hear about him in one of our Spanish speaking programs is that, um, you know, that, that that's not your fate, right? That your genes are not necessarily um, what will dictate how you end up, right, in your in your life. And so it's, it's just, I think it, the message goes, you know, very far. And again, as long as we keep, keep spreading the word and sharing with our family and friends, um, you know, I think that's just a great con contribution to, you know, to making this world healthier. You know, I'm, I'm really excited about this. And since you've really come on board, the, the efforts have just been ratcheted up. It just seems like tenfold. Um, I, I'm so tickled pink at, at your dedication here. And I think that that's something that a lot of people don't necessarily realize. The exam roomies, they're so passionate and God bless for coming back week after week and watching the show and giving us 15 million views this year and 10 million downloads. And it's, it's just really heartwarming, but there's so much that goes into it behind the scenes to make every everything happen. And you are certainly a key piece to that equation. So thank you so very much. Now, I want to bring on another guest, if you will indulge me, and that is Dr. Hanna Kaliova. She is our Director of Clinical Research. And Dr. Kaliova is also a favorite guest of mine, because whenever Dr. Kaliova comes onto the show, school is in session. 
I say it privately, I say it publicly, that she is literally one of the smartest people I have ever met in my entire life. And it is a privilege to be able to call her a colleague because the research that she and her team continue to put out is quite literally changing the world changing somebody's life and even saving somebody's life because the proof is in the facts and that's exactly what she is bringing to the medical journals with that we do welcome our director of clinical research dr hana kali over there she is hello hana how are you thanks so much for having me chuck i'm doing great you know you have had a really busy year putting out all kinds of research how are you doing how's your momentum I'm really excited about what we've achieved this year. I'm also excited about our plans for next year. Uh, the, there's so much going on in our department, and I'd like to share some slides with you and just walk you through what we've done this year and what what we're doing right now and what, what our plans are for next year. The stage uh, is yours. Yeah, thank you so much. So... Uh, let me walk you through uh, a few papers, just, just give you some, uh, some glimpses of our work, uh, give you a few papers that we published this year uh, so that you uh, have a feel of uh, the importance of our work, then give you an overview of the current studies that we're conducting right now, and also um, give you a glimpse of the upcoming studies. So let's start with the published papers. Um, we know that vegan diets are just amazing for human health, for the environment, and for the animals. And yet, um, many skeptics uh, say, when it comes to human health, many skeptics say, well, what about diet quality? Don't you know that some vegans are just junk food vegans? And uh, this inspired us um, to really analyze the diet quality uh, using uh, a standardized measure that's called alternate or alternative healthy eating index uh, that's been developed at Harvard University, uh, where you take um, the diet record that people give you and you assign them positive points for the healthy foods and negative points for the unhealthy foods. Now, the healthy foods include fruits and vegetables and whole grains and legumes and nuts and seeds as sources of healthy fats. And the unhealthy foods will contain red and processed meats, the sodas, trans fats that are still present in some processed foods, and high sodium foods. Now, um, you can assign um, specific numbers to these foods and come up with a score, um, the alternate healthy eating index score. Uh, we had 244 overweight people who joined the study, and they were randomly assigned to follow either a low-fat vegan diet that consisted of fruits and vegetables and grains and legumes, or stay on their usual diet for 16 weeks. And what we found was really astounding. The diet quality improved significantly on the vegan diet. Uh, you can see that the alternate healthy eating index score increased by seven points or about 10%. Uh, so it was a significant improvement in diet quality. 
Now, this improvement in diet quality also was associated with weight loss, improved body composition, people were losing more fat, and improved insulin sensitivity. We also looked at which foods tip tip the scales most. Uh, Is it the foods that people don't eat on a vegan diet or is it the foods they eat more of? Uh, What we found out is that there are two predictors of weight loss. Number one is not eating any meat. No meat, no poultry, no fish. And number two is eating your beans. Uh, So uh, when we talk about weight loss, both uh, not eating the animal foods and eating the healthy foods, particularly the beans, uh, seems to be seems to be the key for weight loss. Uh, I'd like to share another study that we published earlier this year um, that Dr. Barnard was already talking about, uh, which is um, which was conducted in women with hot flashes. Um, hot flashes can be really annoying uh, during menopause and after menopause, um, but more than that. They're also a sign of an increased risk for cardiovascular disease and diabetes. And so it's really important to address them. But what can we do about them? So step number one is that we asked um, our, our study participants to track their hot flashes using a mobile app. So this is how it looked like. Uh, They were recording all the hot flashes when they started and when they stopped. They were also rating their severity, um, mild or moderate or severe. Uh, And um, the women in the study were randomized into the control group that stayed on their usual diet or to follow a low-fat vegan diet that also contained half a cup of cooked soybeans every day. Uh, Now, we had 84 women who participated in the study, uh, and uh, the results were pretty astounding. Uh, There was an 88 decrease in moderate to severe hot flashes. In other words, uh, in many cases, the severe hot flashes completely disappeared. Those were the ones that, that... woke them up at night and uh, were interfering with daily activities. So this is a really uh, incredible improvement. And this is really good news for all the women out there um, because diet plays a major role um, in the quality of life. But as we mentioned, the diminished hot flashes are also a marker of improved cardiovascular and cardiometabolic health. Uh, Let me briefly talk about the studies that that are going on right now. We're currently conducting a study for people people with type 1 diabetes. We've done multiple studies for people with type 2 diabetes. Um, Type 2 diabetes is uh, is responsible for more than 90 cases, 90% cases of diabetes, and is mostly present in overweight people who are older. Um, In contrast, type 1 diabetes may start in childhood. It's an autoimmune condition where the body doesn't produce enough insulin 
And these people need to use insulin for the rest of their life. Uh, the question is, could a vegan diet really help in type 1 diabetes? To answer that question, we randomized our study participants to follow either uh, a portion-controlled carbohydrate-counting diet or to follow a low-fat vegan diet that consists of fruits and, and grains and vegetables and legumes. Now, the portion-controlled diet limits uh, the sugar intake and uh, the sugar concentrations in, in the bloodstream because you just consume less carbohydrate. On the other hand, the low-fat vegan diet is just loaded with carbohydrate. You eat so many carbohydrates and yet uh, your body is becoming more insulin sensitive because the... Um, the insulin action is improved and uh, glucose can enter the cells and that, that's how um, the blood sugar will, um, will drop. Uh, we're using um, continual glucose monitoring system for, for these participants called Dexcom G6. It's a sensor that everyone can insert themselves on, on your belly or on your arm. Maybe you've seen some people in, in, a, in a gym or in the street, you know, people just walk with these devices. Uh, you can try it out as a healthy person also. It's, it's easy and it's fun to look at your blood sugar. Uh, and so all the participants are just wearing the sensors and we can monitor their blood sugar. Uh, and, uh, the study, uh, it, we're just, we just finished another, another cohort of the study and we're looking at the data and I'm, I'm really looking forward to reporting more next time. Another study uh, that we're recruiting for right now is a study for women with endometriosis. Endometriosis is a painful condition um, which oftentimes, oftentimes requires repeated surgeries uh, and there's no causal treatment. So could a diet really help reduce pain in these women? Uh, this is a topic uh, of our current study and that's going on right now. Now, what's the outlook for the upcoming studies? Uh, number one uh, is that we'd like to collaborate with Blue Cross Blue Shield and look at the healthcare spending. Uh, we know that vegan diets are amazing for human health, and yet uh, we are oftentimes frustrated with um, the lack of implementation in, in, in clinical practice. And this could be a groundbreaking study showing that a vegan diet can also reduce the healthcare costs and thereby uh, promote such programs um, through insurance companies. Another study that we plan to conduct uh, is in, in collaboration with Yale University. Um, we conducted one study in collaboration with Dr. Drs. Schulman and Peterson at Yale University, and we were sending the study participants uh, to get their magnetic resonance spectroscopy of the liver and muscle to measure the fat content in the liver and muscle. 
Uh, and those were overweight participants with no diabetes. And we'd like to conduct such a study with people uh, with type 2 diabetes. Um, we are grateful for your support. You may be wondering, how can you support these programs? Uh, there is a lot that goes into these studies. Whenever we want to conduct a study, uh, we need to recruit study participants. We need to advertise. Uh, we put out um, the ads to uh, local newspapers or radio, radio and uh, we collaborate with, with physicians. Um, and uh, we, we try to get as many people as possible to get interested and participate in the studies. Some of the lab tests that we perform are pretty expensive. Uh, for the endometriosis study, uh, we analyze the en uh, inflammatory markers, uh, such as um, the CRP, or, um, which is a marker of inflammation, but also more sophisticated markers, such as TNF-alpha or interleukin-1 and 6, uh, and others. Uh, another... Um, for the uh, for the collaboration with Yale University, the magnetic resonance spectroscopy of the liver and muscle are also um, expensive tests. So uh, I'd like to express our gratitude for all your ongoing support. Uh, I hope that you will have happy holidays with with your family and with with your loved ones. Dr. Kaliova, thank you so much for everything that you have done this year. Can't wait to touch base with you again in 2023. And happy holidays. Keep up the fantastic work. You truly are changing the world. Thank you so much, Chuck. And as Dr. Kaliova was saying, all of the research that we have been doing, it definitely does take a, a a hefty price tag. It comes with a hefty price tag. So I would love to check back in with Noah Gattel right now, our director of philanthropy for the Eastern region. Uh, Noah, how are we doing with donations? It's been really exciting, Chuck, to see everybody stepping up, making donations, seeing their gifts doubled by this incredible match that we have. Uh, just as a reminder, in case you're joining us late, a very generous supporter of our work has offered to match all gifts of up to $150,000. And these gifts will support every area of our work. You can donate at pcrm.org ER. And your gifts will literally fund everything that you've heard about so far today. The hot flashes study, the type 1 diabetes and endometriosis studies, our effort to stop Elon Musk from committing these unscientific atrocities against monkeys you heard Dr. Barnard talk about. None of it happens without your support. And I'm thinking particularly about our work to train physicians and medical students on the power of a plant-based diet. You know, your donation to PCRM is an investment in getting better doctors for you, your children, your grandchildren, and everyone else. Doctors who won't tell you to eat a hamburger or, or work to get your cholesterol up so they can justify keeping you on Lipitor. I saw Pablo in the chat there told us about how he educated his doctor on the power of a plant-based diet. Well, that is incredible. We don't have a, a billion Pablos out there yet, unfortunately. So PCRM needs to keep doing this work to make sure that everybody gets the health care that they deserve. And I want to thank uh, Jane Matlin, Janet and Paul Mocker, Pauline Doucette, Jennifer Randall, Stephen and Judy uh, Jerucha, who have all supported our uh, matching gift campaign. And I encourage you to do so as well. Please consider joining this movement doubling your impact by supporting the $150,000 matching gift campaign. 
at pcrm.org slash ER. Back to you, Chuck. Excited to have my next guest here with us on the exam room live. She's the vice president of communication. She's here to tell us all about how it is that we're getting our healthy message out into the world. And I can't begin to tell you how many millions of people we have reached this year, but she can. With that, we do welcome the Vice President of Communications, Dania DePod, to the exam room live. So glad that you're here. Thanks for making the time. Hey, thanks, Chuck. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. And thanks, everyone, for listening and watching and being on social media as we talk about social media and how many people we reach and, and watch and absorb our information. So a quick, you know, some fun stats from this past year. Our YouTube page just is incredible. Thank you for watching. Thank you for sharing. We have reached 1,500, 15,000, 15 million views on YouTube for our YouTube videos. And we've gained over 150,000 followers this year. On Facebook, we're regularly reaching 70 million people on that account. On our Instagram pages for Dr. Neil Barnard and the Physicians Committee, we're reaching 5 million and each have over 300,000 followers absorbing our information every day, day in and day out. Make sure you're following us on all those accounts and watching those stories because we've got a lot of fun stuff there and um, a lot more plans for the new year. Uh, on Twitter, we're reaching 100 million people total this past year. We've also added some new social media pages. We have a new French Instagram account where in just the past two months, we've reached 70,000 individual accounts for those French language pages. Our Spanish pages continue to do just so well. We're reaching almost 4 million people this year. For our China pages on Weibo and WeChat, a post on average could reach about 2 million people. So just huge reach for our important life-saving information, helping people saving animal lives. Your donations continue to help us reach people in all different audiences all across the world, and it is so exciting. And some of our most popular content that you all probably know about, because it's what you love and what you like and what you share, are these short informational videos like this one that we'll share. You've been changing your diet. You've gone to a totally plant-based vegan diet. Good for you. That's fantastic. But you know what? Your friends are asking you the same question, aren't they? They're asking, where do you get your mm -hmm. protein? Or if you're new to this, you might be asking that yourself. Where am I going to get protein on a plant-based diet? Or maybe you've been Googling and you Googled plant-based protein sources and that's what landed you here? Well, we've got some answers for you. The truth is, if you've just started a completely healthy plant-based diet, you might be at risk of developing a condition that I call protein anxiety. What that actually means is you're not protein deficient, but you're worried. You're worried about getting enough protein. You might not be sure what protein is, but you're afraid you're not going to get it. Well, let me put your mind at ease. Protein is widely available. It's in beans, it's in vegetables, it's in grains, and protein deficiency is really virtually unheard of if you're getting any normal combination of those healthy plant-based foods. All right, a few numbers. How much protein do you need? The government would say about 0.4 grams per pound of your body weight, or if you're going metric, 0.8 grams per kilogram. What that means is an average woman needs about 46 grams a day, a man, all at 56. But if you actually look at the numbers, most people get about twice that amount, and even those numbers are a little bit generous. 
Now, you might be thinking, well, a little protein's good, a lot has got to be better. No, I'm sorry to say it's not true. If you're really indulging in animal protein, what's coming along with it? Fat, cholesterol, the occasional salmonella. No, you don't need that extra protein. Your body can't use it, and neither can you. Okay, so where am I going to get protein from plants? Okay, more numbers. Let's say you're eating a typical 2,000 calorie diet, which is about normal for a typical person. Well, if all I ate was broccoli for a whole day, 2,000 calories would give me 146 grams of pure protein. If I ate 2,000 calories a day of nothing but lentils, not that you'd ever do this, but you'd get 157 grams of pure protein. So hopefully you're not having just broccoli or just lentils. If you're eating any variety of, of plant foods, you're getting protein-rich sources from all of them, including all of the essential amino acids that your body needs to make protein of its own. So as long as you're eating enough calories, you're getting enough protein, and that's also true for athletes. Athletes do need more protein, that's true. But what do they do to get more protein? They eat more food, and protein comes along with it. They're breathing more, they're getting more oxygen as they're running, they're eating more, they're getting more protein too. Now wait a minute, you might have heard somebody talk about essential amino acids, which I mentioned just briefly. Well, essential amino acids are building blocks that your, your body uses to make protein, but they are found in plants. Plants have all the essential amino acids that you need. And when you combine foods like rice and beans, you get all the best of all these different plant sources. So, protein anxiety, let it go. On a healthy plant-based diet, you're getting not just away from the bad things like fat and cholesterol, but you're getting into healthy foods, vitamins, minerals, and yes, plenty of protein to meet your needs. Have at it. Hey, I love those short videos. Uh, you know, it's just, just a few minutes long and it has so much information packed in there. Um, so we have tons of those for you to, you know, go share, um, absorb, listen to, and tell your friends about. Um, we've also been sharing on Twitter and all of our accounts about the story of a monkey that was used for cruel Neuralink experiments. This is the Elon Musk company that you're hearing about. Um, these just such cruel brain experiments. And those have been helping to reach so many people, um, helping them understand the type of work we do and why it's so important. So when you watch us, when you share our content, when you talk about us with your friends and family, and you support us in any way, it helps us further our message, our mission, and help more people. Thank you so much. Thank you for your donations to help us reach millions. Literally million. I'm blown away by the reach that we have right now with our audience in China. Up to 2 million people every single time we post. That is huge messaging. Yeah, it's incredible. There's so many people out there to reach and we can only do more and more and more with your help. Absolutely. Absolutely. So right now, please visit PCRM.org slash ER to give what you can. We're going to be talking more about Elon Musk and Neuralink in just a minute. But first, let's go ahead and talk a little bit more about how your dollars can continue to help the work that we're doing here at the Physicians Committee. Yes, thank you.
really the work that we're doing to get all of our messaging out there, our healthy message, it just, it can't be overstated. And there are so many talented people working behind the scenes to make that happen every single day that need your support to continue to get this out there as we head into 2023. I want to say a special thank you to Jeffrey in California and Exam Rumi, who has just pledged $300 to help us continue to get our message out there as we head into the new year. And that $300 automatically gets doubled becomes $600. Also want to say hi to Andrea, who is watching us right now in Italy, a global reach. Andrea has given us $50, which automatically becomes $100. Thank you so very much for watching us in Italy. I greatly appreciate that. There's Zahid in New York and Elizabeth in North Carolina, each of whom have given $25. And both of them, that $25, again, becomes $50 because your donations are being doubled through the end of the year to help us continue our life-saving mission as we head into 2023 and beyond. So if you can give what you can right now, please go ahead and do that by visiting pcrm.org slash ER. That is pcrm.org slash ER. Let's move on right now. And you just heard Dania talk a little bit about our incredible reach in China. And so to talk more about that and making her exam room debut is Mei Jun Lai, who is a really key component, a, a, a just a key piece of our Chinese puzzle here as we really expand our reach into a global perspective. May June Lai, thank you so very much for being here, Doctor. It is so good to see you and welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Chuck, for having me here. I'm really excited to be here. <laughs> I'm excited. Are you kidding me with everything that you are doing over there? It's just incredible. Um, I know that there is such a growing appetite for healthy, nutritious information in China. Uh, the 2 million reach that we heard about from a single post, that's really just the tip of the iceberg. Can you talk to the exam roomies about everything that we've been working on over there? Sure. Let me share with you our exciting outreach activities in China. So first, let's talk about the International Conference on Nutrition and Lifestyle Medicine, ICNLM. So since the pandemic, we have held three online conferences on important health issues like diabetes, heart disease, and cancer. And each of our previous conferences reached about 150,000 people on average. But this year, our conference focused on anti-aging, and we had world-famous experts like Dr. Colin Campbell, Dr. Hans Steele, and of course, Dr. Neil Barnard. Together with 21 Chinese health experts, they delivered excellent speech on how a vegan diet can help. The good foundation we built in previous conferences led to the Chinese government endorsing this conference. Hence, we reached out to even more people this year. This anti-aging conference had more than 610,000 views. That is more than half a million views for one conference. So even though it was an online conference, but our collaborators in China organized free offline premiere events as well. Groups of people watched together our ICNLM live streaming. So in our statistics, one view of live streaming could mean 40 people were watching together. 
Our collaborators said it worked really well, and they plan to organize more offline premiere events for our conference next year. Our international conference is great because it's professional, it's educational, and it saves lives. And we feel so appreciative that the conference is available to everyone free of charge. And this is the way to reach Chinese people as far, as wide, and as many as possible. And we know China really needs this. We certainly cannot do this without. Many of you here, because of your generous support, more than one million Chinese have benefited from these conferences directly. Now let's talk about another effort: twenty-one day vegan kickstart. People in China can easily join the vegan kickstart through WeChat,、oh. which is similar to WhatsApp with additional functions. This year, we have nearly thirty thousand participants. They've received recipes, daily knowledge, and support from our Kickstart community on WeChat. During this strict COVID lockdown, some people found comfort by joining our 21-day vegan Kickstart. They showed appreciation to us and said, if it were not for the Kickstart, they wouldn't have any motivation to carry on a normal life, let alone start a healthy lifestyle. We have a really supportive community here, in China. Last but not least, I'd like to talk about Dr. Jiaxu's bike tour. Our online events, like the international conference and the Kickstart I mentioned earlier, are part of our effort in China. These events have reached people in all 34 Chinese provinces and 74% of all cities in China. Moreover, our nutrition specialist, Dr. Jiaxu, has also been very active on the ground. Over the years, he has given more than 1,100 lectures in China. Most of the time, he took airplanes or trains to get to the cities, but during his bike tour, he biked. Imagine this: you are attending a lecture on a healthy vegan diet, and you ask the speaker, "How did you get here?" And the speaker answered, "I biked 50 miles yesterday to get here." How would you feel? I would feel, "Wow, he's vegan, and he is so healthy, so strong." This year's route involved cycling for three weeks and an average altitude of thirteen thousand feet for one thousand and two hundred miles. The fellow riders included people who have turned their health around by taking charge of their diets. Dr. Xu's bike tour has been an excellent showcase of how a low-fat vegan diet is the diet to maintain our optimal health condition. In any case, we will not stop here. There's still much more to do, especially in the world's most populous country. We cannot make any progress without your support. We are so grateful for your kindness and your help and your donation. Thank you so much. You are amazing. Thank you so much for being here. I loved your presentation. You guys are doing such extraordinary things. Thank you so very much for being here today. Thank you, Chuck.
absolutely. I'm, we're, she's coming back. I'll tell you that right now. That was that was mind-blowingly amazing. Oh, my goodness. So if you would like to support that work, please head over to pcrm.org slash ER to give what you can to contribute to really help change the lives literally around the world. And again, until the end of the year, your dollars will be doubled. Any donation you make will be matched up to $150,000. You know, at the beginning of the show, and as recently as the conversation with Daniel DePa momentarily ago, we were talking about Neuralink. And I would love to take a deeper dive on that right now with two gentlemen who are also very much involved in our fight against Neuralink and Elon Musk. Mark Kennedy is our Vice President of Legal Affairs, and Ryan Merkley is our Director of Research Advocacy. Gentlemen, thank you so very much for making the time and being here today. Hi, Chuck. Hi, everybody. Glad we could be here. We have talked about this truly being a David versus Goliath battle with Musk being one of literally the richest gentlemen in the entire world. When you have resources such as that, how much more difficult does it make our job in trying to right this injustice? Well, I wouldn't necessarily call him a gentleman, but he's certainly one of the richest people in the world. And uh, I think the resources he's put into Neuralink specifically, and obviously many of his other companies, play a role in keeping their employees quiet. They all sign non-disclosure or non-disparagement agreements. And I think that's kept a lot of them from coming forward until very recently. And then of course, Mark can speak more to this, but Neuralink has recently intervened in the lawsuit that we have filed. And I don't know if you wanna talk a little about that. Should we go for it, Chuck? Absolutely, bring all it right. on my friend. Right. Well, you know, the premise of a public records lawsuit is that you're getting records from a government entity. And in this case, it was UC Davis where these uh, experiments were being held. And the dispute is between the party requesting the records and the party holding the records. But in this case, Neuralink has intervened and it had to do this with court permission. But it basically said, we as a company have some interest in the dispute and keeping these records secret in a way that the government body, UC Davis, would not be able to carry out. And so we need to be part of this lawsuit to help keep more of this secret than the, the University of California would. And so a few weeks ago, Neuralink moved to intervene in the case, it's called intervening, and the court allowed that. And so now we have a three-party case, the Physicians Committee on one side and the University of California Davis and Neuralink on the other. And in, in moving to enter the case, Neuralink said that it, part of its role in the case will be to support the University of California's efforts. So what we see here is two very big, very powerful institutions doing their best to hide the details of these experiments from the public. And let me just go back a second to also talk, as Mark just mentioned, about the sheer size of the University of California system, because they are notorious for making it difficult to get records related to the use of animals in their laboratories. And they have some of the biggest research facilities in the world. They house thousands of monkeys and hundreds of thousands of animals. So they have a vested interest in constantly trying to make it difficult for the public to know what's going on inside. For example, we know that there are almost 400 photographs related to these gruesome Neuralink experiments that were conducted at UC Davis's primate facility. And yet this is one of the longstanding and continuous problem or a sort of 
points of contention within the lawsuit, the release of these photographs are something we're continuing to fight for. But I also, Chuck, wanted to go back to just to the beginning. Um, it was 2020 when we first learned about Neuralink's animal experiments, when Musk held this press conference with these supposedly quote unquote happy pigs. And around that time, we learned that they were partnering with UC Davis. So we filed a records request. That was again, more than two years ago. And it was just last year in March, 2021, when the university came back to us and said, we're not gonna give you almost anything. We're gonna black out all of the research protocol or almost all of it. We're gonna withhold the hundreds of pages of veterinary records. And it was that withholding of the documents for no reason whatsoever, no good reason that forced us to file a lawsuit last year, which is still ongoing. And I'll say that after we filed that lawsuit, the university finally started to hand over those veterinary records and unredacted, unblacked out protocols. And it's unfortunate that an organization of our size with our resources, thanks to our donors, is the only way that you can get access to this information. Because if somebody else had just come along and filed a records request, the university would have said no, and you wouldn't have had the resources to file a lawsuit. But once you push them, push back on it, suddenly you're starting to get these documents. And boy, did we get documents. They were some of the most troubling veterinary records we've ever seen from an animal research facility. These are monkeys having their skulls cut open, devices implanted, these quote unquote metal pill boxes screwed to the top of the skull with bone screws. Animals were suffering chronic infections, seizures, partial paralysis. Lots of the monkeys used were suffering from such deteriorating psychological health that they were pulling out their hair, they were self-mutilating. And unfortunately, those, those psychological problems are just commonplace for monkeys in laboratories anywhere. But they were obviously like exacerbated by the sort of intensity, invasiveness of these experiments. And so we saw this last year, and that's what prompted us finally in February of this year after seeing all of these records and properly analyzing them that's when we filed a complaint with the u.s department of agriculture and i just want to touch on one thing that, that or a couple things that ryan said the lawsuit prompted an initial release of records that we didn't get at all so there had been some correspondence in which the uc davis just said well we're going to give you a little bit but we are going to withhold all other records in the categories you requested and it was only the filing of the lawsuit that led to some correspondence between our attorneys and the University of California's attorneys as we tried to see if is there a way to resolve this case. And we started to get these hundreds of pages that Ryan mentioned and to see the sloppy experiments and and just the the mis you know the mistreatment of these animals. Eventually, the release of these records showed us more ways in which other records were being withheld. So that is when we learned about 351 photographs being withheld in their entirety. And more shockingly, that all of the video footage taken over the course of these, these experiments was gone. And so what the University of California Davis did was it allowed Neuralink to install on its property where all these experiments were taking place, recording equipment. And then when the experiments were over at this location, Neuralink took away all that gear with all of the records. And this is an end run around the California Public Records Act, because the general idea is that a, a public institution creates or maintains records. And in this case, 
UC Davis just basically let somebody else create and then walk off with uh, maintaining the records. And the curious thing is that we know that shortly after Ryan filed his request for information in September 2020, Neuralink wrapped up its on-site experiments and left. So that was within about three months. Everything happening at UC Davis was over. It went off site. But this is a, a short window in which the University of California had a duty in responding to our records to make a good faith effort to review and obtain from all of the locations where these records were kept everything that would be subject to an eventual dispute. And as Ryan said, you know, we have a lot of information now. And in February of this year, we took that information and we did two things. One is we filed a, an amendment to the lawsuit. So we said, look, court, here's all that we did learn after filing the first complaint. We now know more information was withheld and here are the details. But we also filed with the United States Department of Agriculture a complaint in which we went over all of the sloppy details, the way in which there were deviations from protocol, in which there were harm to these monkeys. And we said, the, mis the mistreatment of animals is obvious, the sloppiness is obvious, the deviations from protocol are obvious. USDA, you are the agency that enforces the Animal Welfare Act, which is the only federal law that applies to animals and research and experiments. You have a duty to go investigate. And guess what? It did. Yeah, I mean, I, I would hope so. Guys, we, we don't have a whole lot of time remaining. I do have a couple of uh, quick questions for you. Ryan, I want to start with you. Um, is there a more human relevant method uh, that could be conducted here? Like, are these experiments um, completeless uh, or complete, uh, completely needless? Is there a safer, more humane way to achieve what it is yeah. Neuralink here is going for? Let's remember why Elon Musk started Neuralink. And he has said this numerous times, including just a few weeks ago. His concern was the AI symbiosis problem, this problem that in decades to come or years to come, we're going to have to compete with computers that might take us over. AI might become too strong for us. We need to merge our brains with computers. That's why he started this company. He didn't start Neuralink to solve problems like lack of motor function, to help paraplegics walk again, to solve, to cure Alzheimer's. That's not why he started it. He started it for this other existential issue. And he continues to talk about that. In reality, if you want to help people with any of those and many more medical conditions, there are non-invasive brain computer interfaces. Because remember, Neuralink is developing a brain computer interface. There are other companies doing it, other researchers working on this. And many of them are developing non-invasive devices, devices that don't require you cut a, a hole in the skull and implant something. Because imagine if you get a Neuralink device and a year later someone says, well, we've got to open your skull again to repair it or fix the battery or it's overheating, which is a real problem with implanted devices. So all of these things could potentially happen. That's why we keep urging Neuralink and Musk to use all these resources to develop non-invasive devices, devices that can actually be worn over the skull, pick up brain waves, neuronal waves, neuronal signals. And in fact, some of these devices are already being developed and they're allowing people to operate robotic arms who have lost people who have lost motor function to operate robotic wheelchairs. Uh, text to speak, to be able to communicate. They've been helping um, elderly people regain memory. These are devices that don't require animal experiments. They're human relevant, and they don't require that, that you deal with the potential harm of cutting open a patient and implanting a device. 
And Mark, my final question to you is uh, in a lot of the research that or a lot of the articles that we've seen published now recently, you've you've started to hear about some whistleblowers coming out, sources who have talked to journalists about this accelerated pace that they're trying to go through with this research. If somebody steps out and violates that NDA, even though it is, you would say, on the right side of good, uh, what kind of legal jeopardy could this person be facing? It's a it's a contract where you're an employee and you sign a contract. You know, you are you're bound by it. You're not supposed to share any of these secrets, and that's the whole point, right? I mean, a lot of times you're going to see things, and in this case, feel you would have an ethical duty to to tell the story. And so, what we're seeing in these articles is, yes, a lot of it is anonymous. In fact, even what we're hearing from government sources that this investigation now by the Office of the Inspector General into what was happening at Neuralink and also into USDA's lack of any effort in enforcing the Animal Welfare Act, all of these are coming from anonymous sources. But what we do know is that when we filed our, our complaint to the USDA, it was seen by somebody at the Department of Justice in the Northern District of California, which is where our lawsuit is underway, and it was referred up the chain to the USDA's Office of Inspector General to really take a look and do the kind of enforcement that the agency never does and, and needs to do. All right, gentlemen, I wish that we had more time, but we have to leave it there. Thank you both so, uh, so very much. Continued uh, success on this fight. I know that we need a lot of support. Thank you so much for making the time today. Thanks, Thank you, Chuck. Chuck. And again, if you would like to help us with this legal battle, literally against one of the richest men in the entire world, please give what you can at pcrm.org slash ER. That's pcrm.org slash ER. Through the end of the year, for the first $150,000 that is raised, your donations will automatically be doubled. pcrm.org slash ER. And also on the bottom of the screen right now, you see the phone number to call if you would like to pledge your support over the phone, 202-527-7304. 202-527-7304. Let's turn our attention back to nutrition now. It's not just our doctors and dietitians on staff that are really movers and shakers in the health community. It's also a growing contingent of our Food for Life instructors. We have had a banner year with our Food for Life program, and I'm so excited that the Food for Life program manager, Lauren Horrock, is here with us right now to talk about all of the success that we've seen so far in 2022 and what's to come in 2023. Lauren, thanks for being here. Hi, Chuck. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to tell everyone a little more about Food for Life. Can't wait to hear about it. I know that the class that just graduated, this this latest class of instructors, was by far and away the biggest that we have ever had. It it was, Chuck. It was our biggest training ever in our 21-year history of Food for Life. Pretty impressive. And I have that's actually one of my slides if you'd like me to uh <laughs> bring to them on and, and share some more about it. Absolutely. I would love that. Please bring it up for us. Okay, great. And well, yep, there it is right there. Look at that smiling face. <laughs> so in case you're unfamiliar, Food for Life is a community-based education program here at the Physicians Committee. And it's comprised of more than 300 instructors who teach plant-based nutrition and cooking classes in their communities. 
2022 was a hugely successful year. As you said, Chuck, our Food for Life instructors and institutions taught over 1,300 classes in their communities and had over 12,000 participants attend their classes. And this was a 114% increase compared to our pre-pandemic reach. As Chuck mentioned, we hosted our largest training ever with 68 trainees representing nine countries and speaking 13 languages. In addition to teaching classes, Food for Life instructors served as ambassadors for Physicians Committee programs, including hosting and appearing as panelists for our Fight Diabetes with Food program, conducting cooking demos for our Let's Beat Breast Cancer campaign, and conducting 110 Food for Life classes for the campaign, and even helping to teach our participants in our clinical research studies. And then really exciting this year was our increase in outreach to communities disproportionately impacted by diet-related health disparities, including historically underserved communities and communities of color. Overall, our diversity outreach increased by more than double, and we credit much of this to our new African-American culinary heritage curriculum and to our Food for Life scholarship. Our Food for Life scholarship consists of two components. There is a waiver of the training fee, which typically costs $999, and then also a seed money grant, which is a small grant to help instructors get their Food for Life business started. Anyone is eligible for the scholarship. However, we have limited funds and we select recipients based on two criteria, the ability to demonstrate financial need and a commitment to reaching underserved populations. Your donation would make a huge impact on the Food for Life program. It could go to support a future scholarship recipient like our good friend, Charles Smith, who received a 2021 scholarship. And then he went on this year to single-handedly reach 1,100 participants. Charles is teaching plant-based cooking nutrition classes in Jackson, Mississippi, which ranks first in deaths from heart disease, Alzheimer's, and kidney disease in the U.S. Or your donation could go to support a future scholarship recipient like Brenda Workman, who also received a 2021 scholarship. Brenda taught 25 classes this year in West Virginia, which ranks first in the nation for deaths from diabetes and has the second highest rate of obesity in the US. So we have some really big plans for 2023. We're currently working on creating two brand new and one expanded curriculum in Spanish, which will significantly increase our offerings to Spanish speaking communities. We're also working to update and expand our curriculum to support individuals who receive SNAP benefits or have low incomes. And some other exciting new courses that you'll have to wait for their release next year that will continue to increase our support of people transitioning to plant-based eating. And we wanna to continue to touch the lives of people like John pictured here, who described himself as a meat and potatoes guy but he started to attend Food for Life classes after some major health challenges. Now, John is down over 60 pounds. It's been a year and a half, and he says it's been a total transformation of health, 
lifestyle, and weight. And we want to continue to touch the lives of children, such as the ones who attend Food for Life instructor Caroline Strickland's classes in Montgomery, Alabama, and one whose parents in reported, quote, I can't believe you got my child to eat vegetables and fruits and oatmeal. So it's only through your support that we'll be able to expand this life-saving program. And we thank you so much for your donation. Lauren, thank you so much for sharing that. John, I mean, did you just see that beard? Like that, that just shows me eating plant-based is for everybody. That guy is straight up like I'm watching football on Sundays and I'm listening to ZZ Top on repeat. And here he is banging the drum for a plant-based diet. I love it so much. You talk about just reaching as broad of an audience as possible. That's absolutely fantastic. The work that you all are doing with Food for Life is second to none. Thank you so very much for being here. Thank you, Chuck. And if you would like to support that work, continue those scholarship efforts right now. Again, pcrm.org slash ER is the website to go to to make your contributions. Matter of fact, let's go ahead and get an update on where things stand and welcome Noah Gattel back to the exam room live. Noah, how are we doing? Well, Chuck, your listeners have stepped up in a major way and gotten us a lot closer to our goal of meeting this $150,000 match. I don't have a total for you because the gifts are coming in so fast and furious. So many donations coming in, some of them new donors. To you new donors, I say welcome to the PCRM family. And some of them are from longtime donors. To them, I would say thank you for your past support, your present support. And we pledge to continue our good work so that we will earn your support in the future as well. And Chuck, I just want to say to them also, as this program is, is nearing its end, you can still support our match with a gift uh, before the end of the year at any point at pcrm.org ER for exam room. You can donate through that URL and we will make sure that your gift is doubled. I won't tell you anymore. You've heard two hours of reasons to support our life-saving work. So uh, I just want to say thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting this work to change the world in 2023, because the truth is it will not be possible without you. Well said, my friend. Well said, indeed. Thank you for all of your help today, my friend. We still have a couple more things to touch on, though, before we wrap up. We're not done yet, not by a long shot. Next up, I want to welcome our Director of Government Affairs, Andrew Bonovi, to the exam room live because, I mean, you got to reach out there and touch some people on Capitol Hill from time to time. And that's exactly what Andrew does. He really does have his finger on the pulse of what's happening with health and nutrition up there on Capitol Hill. Andrew, thanks so very much for being here. I guess my big question for you is this. We're coming off of major midterm elections here. Those happen in November. We're about to flip the calendar over to January. Based off of the results of those midterms, how much has our focus or our plans shifted as we head into this new year? Well, that's a, that's a good question. I actually have been getting that a lot, Chuck. So, um, you know, Congress actually isn't done quite yet. So they've got uh, a few more things they're going to wrap up this week, but the new Congress is going to convene on January 3rd. And like you said, how does this new makeup of this Congress, how is it, how is that going to affect the Physicians Committee's priorities? As most people know, uh, we're going to have a House with a slim Republican majority, and we're going to have a Senate with a slim Democratic majority. And whenever you have a divided Congress, what is necessary to pass any legislation is consensus. You need to find uh, the, the places where people on both sides of the aisle can agree to get things done. 
Congress is going to have a lot to consider next next year. Uh, they're going to try to pass a farm bill. They're going to need to pass appropriations bills. They're going to need to be doing so much, and consensus is going to be central to all of that work. For the Physicians Committee's legislative priorities, you know, this last Congress, we saw significant progress that we're hoping to continue in the next year as well. We saw movement on legislation to expand access to plant-based meals in schools, as well to break down the barriers that prevent the access for school kids to access non-dairy milk at school. There's literally a federal law in place that makes it extremely difficult for any student to just ask, can I please have soy milk instead of dairy milk? And this is for folks that are looking for better nutrition, but also just for folks that can't digest lactose. And for many people of color, that is something that um, is really important to them. So not only is that that uh, federal law preventing better nutrition, it's also uh, inequitable as well. We successfully included language in the annual appropriations bill to expand transparency to NIH's use of animals, as well as to expand non-animal methods for new for the testing of new drugs. So those are the priorities we're going to be continuing in next Congress. We're gonna be seeking allies on both sides of the aisle and finding opportunities to showcase how, whether it's saving animals from our nation's plates or getting animals out of experiments, how those issues are really consensus issues. They're really mainstream issues that make sense. You know, folks who have been watching uh, this for the past two hours, first, thank you so much. Uh, and thank you to Chuck for, for being our host for these past two hours. Um, but you've heard a lot about our work to expose the cruelties at Neuralink. You know, earlier this month, we worked with Congress uh, to, to draft a letter to USDA to ensure that agency is doing, you know, really its bare minimum job to over, oversee animal experiments. And we're looking forward to putting together legislation that makes sure that non-animal approaches in research are the default, not just considered by scientists and passed aside for these, for these cruel animal animal experiments. We're going to be picking up right where we left off, both in Congress as well in state legislatures across the country. I know we have folks coming in from all corners of the U.S. and the world, um, but note that not only here are we active here in Washington, but we're also working in state legislatures as well. In New York State, uh, there is legislation that we've been working on to expand plant-based plant meals access at schools uh, as well as to make sure that physicians are, are best prepared to talk about nutrition with their patients. We'll be working with those uh, for those legislatures again to get those over the finish line, hopefully. And in particular in Michigan, I'll note, uh, there was a change in the legislature there that really is gonna open up an opportunity to end just terrible taxpayer funded research in Michigan as well. So we're looking forward to, to doing that as well. I think what I'm really excited about in 2023 is meeting with new members of Congress, talking to them about our work, talking to them about our organization and really the expertise that we can bring to Capitol Hill. There's gonna be 74 new members of the house. There's gonna be seven new senators. So that's over 80 offices that we um, get an opportunity to meet. I can say one of the best parts of my job as introducing my colleagues, introducing the physicians that work here at PCRM, introducing the scientists, introducing the dietitians, introducing uh, these people to Congress and saying, let us be a resource to you. And oh, by the way, here is what Congress can be doing to get animals off of people's plates and getting animals 
out of research labs. This is this is something that makes sense to most Americans. This is a consensus issue. Uh, this is a bipartisan issue. So let's get this done. So I know we're we're short on time. So I'll just wrap up by saying, um, a lot of what our policy works doesn't even matter who's in Congress. We're also working with the federal agencies as well, particularly to change the dietary guide guidelines to make sure that those are ending the just the years-long promotion of meat and dairy, that happens regardless of who's in Congress as well. So I know I'm ready to get to work in the new year, uh, meeting with new members of Congress and meeting with the agencies again about these issues. And, and I know I couldn't be doing it without everyone's support here. So I will just say thank you to everyone who's tuning in this afternoon. We appreciate your continued support. And we appreciate all of the things that you've been working so tirelessly on, Andrew. Thank you so very much, my friend. Continued success in the new year. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks so much, Chuck. All right. And go ahead, please support Andrew and all of our colleagues here at the Physicians Committee so we can continue to do these extraordinary things as we head into 2023. Please give what you can right now at pcrm.org slash ER. And once again, through the rest of the year, every dollar that you give will be matched dollar for dollar up to one hundred fifty thousand dollars pcrm.org slash er is the web address or you can call in that donation right now 202-527-7304 want to say thank you so much to debbie in oregon and carol in arizona and everyone else who has contributed so far today thank you guys so very much we can't close out the show without welcoming dr neil barnard back to the broadcast one more time uh dr barnard just an extraordinary couple of hours that we have had here hearing about everything that we have been working on. And I've worked here now for five years, and I'm still blown away by the volume of work that we're able to create and achieve here at the Physicians Committee. You've been here a lot longer than that. It still must blow your mind, too. It does. But Chuck, I, before going any further, I want to say a huge thank you to you. Um, when you joined us, we knew that the, the exam room was going to be big, but I don't know that I really envisioned that it was going to become the number one nutrition podcast in so many countries across the world. Um, but I think it's because you bring great information to people. You inspire them as well. They in turn share what you've brought them to other people. And, and that's something that I want to thank our members and supporters for making this possible, for spreading the word, for going online and saying, watch this program. But Chuck, I want to thank you personally for, for, uh, being such a uh, wonderful leader on our team. It is truly my honor. The best job I've ever had. The absolute best job that I've ever had, my friend. Thank you so very much for taking the leap of faith with us. Um, really quickly, I, I want to just mention a couple of things that are floating around in the chat right now. You know, we, we talk about reaching such a wide swath of people, literally, you know, from 8 to 80 and beyond and before. Rachel in the chat at 106 wrote something so dear. She said, PCRM's work is essential to moving our world toward a healthier future. As a third grade teacher, I would love to see more child-facing content. My students, get this, Dr. Barnard, my students are so excited to learn more. Is that really the key, perhaps, to, to reach people as early in life as possible to really get them going on that healthier path? Yeah, it, it really is. And I have to say, when you reach children, that the earlier that you can reach them, the more they carry these things with them throughout life. And that's true not only for healthy nutrition, but also a respect for animals. And so that a kid who dreams of being a scientist or a doctor 
doesn't dream of being an animal experimenter. They learn about the new methods that we've got going for them. Um, but also to reach kids, we have to reach the parents. The parents influence the children. We've got to reach the grandparents. We've got to reach every, every slice of life. Would you also agree to reach doctors? You have to reach patients. Check this one out from, from Cheryl. Uh, Cheryl's talking about she discovered us. She started to have a, uh, have a lot of her own health successes. And she says at 1245, the next time I went to the doctor, he proudly told me that he now was eating more vegetables as well. She says that I suggested he share that with the rest of his patients. How great is that? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's what gets it done. Uh, the, the, the people are, are really enriching each other's uh, knowledge base and each other's lives in such a good way. That's what our work is about. And let's wrap up with this. We've talked so much about Elon Musk and our battle against him and Neuralink to end these cruel monkey experiments out in California. Dr. Barnard, we've heard about these atrocities uh, from the legal standpoint. We've heard about what's going on in the labs. Everybody's support right now who is watching, their dollars really can help us significantly in this battle. Well, yes, there's no question about this. Um, yes, Elon Musk has lots of resources, so do we. And we have something that he doesn't have, which is we have right on our side. We have scientific expertise on our side, and that weighs far more in any court of law than anything else. Um, nonetheless, we are gonna be doing battle, but beyond Elon Musk, for every animal, every experimented on in any laboratory, whether it was a popular animal like a chimpanzee or a monkey or an animal that people don't think about like a sparrow or a mouse um, that's being abused and thrown away. For every one of those animals, there's some kind of Elon Musk somewhere who had some dream that went wrong and where it, unfortunately the damage is measured in bodies that end up in the trash at the end of the day. Our job is to take science and pull it out of that unfortunate kind of cruel enterprise and make it something we can be proud of. Don't ever mistake, Elon Musk can change. He can see the error of his ways, and if he doesn't, we will force a court of law to put a change upon him. And everybody who is involved in research, who is involved in harming animals in every possible way, they can change too. We are patient, but we want to work as aggressively as we possibly can to make those changes occur. Don't forget the first $150,000 that is raised between now and midnight on New Year's Eve will automatically be doubled. So your support of the Physicians Committee and our life-saving efforts really will go twice as far. Your donations, they go directly to where we need your support the most. You heard about all of this today, our groundbreaking clinical research, our education of doctors so that no patient ever will be prescribed a hamburger again. Of course, we're working to shut down animal laboratories and Neuralink. And of course, your donations will also help the Exam Room podcast, this very podcast, continue to bring its life-saving message to more than 10 million people. So please give what you can right now through the end of the year. Dollar for dollar will be matched at pcrm.org slash ER or call 202-527-7304. And you can also click the link right now to donate that is in the episode notes. 
We still have one more show to go this year. We're gonna be doing that by taking a look back at 2022 and our five biggest episodes. Huge show still to come. And then we kick off the new year with a bang, my friend. On January 1st, I will be joined by Dr. Barnard as well as Carly Bodrug from Plant U, and we will be unveiling our 23 ways that you can improve your health in 2023. Some practical tips and a whole lot from the kitchen, courtesy of Carly. So join us then New Year's Day to get your new year off on the healthiest foot possible. And of course, then our All Stars of Health series begins on January 3rd. Two weeks of live shows begins on January 3rd with Dr. Michael Greger. And then Dr. Barnard will be back the next day. After that, we're also going to be joined by Dr. Will Bolsowitz and Rip Esselstyn. The following week, T. Colin Campbell will be getting us going. Plus, we're also going to be hearing from Cyrus Kambata from Mastering Diabetes, as well as Dan Butner from the Blue Zones. These are all fantastic Q&As, and you can join us at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific for the Exam Room Live each weekday the first two weeks of the new year to ask our all-stars of health your questions. Getting the new year off on the healthiest foot possible. But for today, that is going to wrap things up. I want to say thank you one more time to everyone who participated in our first ever telethon here. That was so much fun. And thank you for everything that you have continued to do throughout the year, my friends, to make the world a healthier place. And if you have not yet already done so, please go ahead and subscribe to the Exam Room Podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever it is that you get your shows. And when you subscribe, please also leave a five-star rating. And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based.